and welcome to episode number 13 of season three of Empowered Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Michael Abney, and I'm joined today with... Marilyn Egan. And I'm so happy to be here again. I can't believe it's 13. I know. Oh, what a great number, Beth. (laughs) It's my lucky number. (laughs) We have a fabulous guest today who's been a friend of mine for a very long time. I'm going to let her tell you about herself and what she does and what she has to offer. Beth Koritz, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. That was such a wide open general introduction. (laughs) I could go anywhere with that. Yes, you can. That's the point. (laughs) But I think um, I'm going to start late in life when I figured out who I authentically really was, who the real me was, and I stopped living my life according to um, societal expectations or familial expectations and did what I knew was right for me, probably for the first time, and took my life down that path. And that path got me my master's in counseling at the age of 50, and I went straight into private practice. And I just this past May published a book using all of my life stories, which are, as you know, Oh, amazing and wild. And a little insane (laughs) for them to all happen to one person. Um, And I took all those stories and I combined them with the philosophies and strategies I use in my counseling practice with my clients to help them become their best authentic self and put it into a memoir slash self-help book. Yay. Yeah. Yes. And I am so excited to hear more about that. And I'm really excited for people to hear more about your stories. I witnessed part of that time with you as you were going to counseling school and and moving into that space of authenticity. Mm -hmm, You did. Yes, I did. But I I was doing the same thing Mm -hmm. as you were, too. So um, it's been a fabulous journey. So would you like to tell us a little bit more about how you realized yeah, that's what, what was going to. on, that you were not being authentic. Well, about 22 years ago, I came down with a disease called Guillain-Barre. And have you ever heard of it, Michael? I have not heard of that one. It's yeah. rare. 4,000 people a year get it yes. in the United States. It's very rare. And it destroys the myelin sheath around your nerves. And as the sheath is destroyed, whatever muscles those nerves control become paralyzed. So I was paralyzed from the shoulders down, and I was on life support for a couple of weeks. And as you know, you can't talk when there's a tube down your throat, and they have no TVs in the ICU, so you're really just left in your head, which is <laughs> not always the best place to be when you're kind of fighting for your life and afraid, yeah. but it gave me the opportunity to really take a hard, honest look with my life, at my life, and I was also on life support, so I'm now getting the wow, every day really does count, and life really is short, because even though they tell me this won't kill me, I'm not sure I believe them. So I realized that the life I was living just was not what I wanted, and the first words I spoke after they extubated me to my husband at the time were, things have to change. Wow. And then I got busy. 
Wow. Yes. So <laughs> was it like a light switch that just went off? Like one day you had it, one day you didn't? Or was it like... Yeah. Almost, yeah. So on a set, and it's, I remember this so clearly. On a Saturday, on a Friday, I took my, um, he's my ex husband now, to. <laughs> Those the, were the, that was one of the things that had to change? <laughs> that was one of the things. Um, I took him to the hospital for a, a upper GI. And yeah. I'm sitting in the lobby, like thinking I'm going to people watch. And I go to needlepoint, and my, my hand won't do what my brain is telling it to do. And I don't know why. And it's scary. And I just, it's just like your limb is not your own. Somebody else is controlling it, and you don't know where it's coming from. And when I worked in physical therapy, we did, I did neuro. Mm -hmm. We did have people who had Guillain-Barre, and that's, it starts in the limbs and moves here. So you were in a very advanced stage no, it for start, it to be it starts in your in lungs. The well, in the extremities. Yeah, I mean, it got there. So what happened was here. eventually Last. it got there. So, he, you know, that day was about him because yeah. of his test. But I did call my doctor who called me back. Did I mention this was the Friday of Memorial Day weekend? Mm -mm. She no. calls me back at 4 o'clock, and um, I tell her what's going on. And she says... Um, be in my office when I open Tuesday morning, but if you get worse, go to the hospital. I said, if it wasn't 4 o'clock on the Friday of a holiday weekend, I wouldn't be bothering you. And she said, if it wasn't 4 o'clock on the Friday of a holiday weekend, I'd tell you to come down here right now. So it got worse throughout the evening. Like, this whole story is in my book in detail, but it got worse throughout the evening. I called my mom that night and said, I might need you to take me to the hospital in the morning, just giving you a heads up. And the next morning, um, I woke up. And it was the first Saturday ever that my husband was home. We, had, we owned a restaurant at the time. So he worked on Saturdays. He took the Saturday off, first time ever. And I yelled to him. I'm like, I want to get out of bed, but come stand here just in case. And I went to get out of bed, and I, I just collapsed. And yeah. he caught me before I hit the floor. And we called my mom, and she came and picked me up and took me to the hospital because I didn't want my daughters to see me leaving an ambulance. And that was Saturday. And lots of stuff went on that day. And the next day, my kids came to, like, say goodbye because the next day I was going into the ICU and they knew I'd be on life support. And they were not very old at that point, were they? Kira had just turned four, like, two weeks before. Wow. And Cadence was seven. They were young. Yeah. And it's, I can see how it has affected Cadence, who... Um, right now is also in school getting her master's in counseling, mental health counseling. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is part of her journey, too. Yeah, definitely. And she was old where enough. She's, yeah. Kira says she doesn't remember very much, but yeah, I think the books reminded her. Yeah. So how did you transition out of that? Like, So I had to relearn everything. You know, mm -hmm. I was in physical therapy and occupational therapy for over a year because every muscle's atrophied by the time. I mean, I didn't. I could only move one joint of my thumb three weeks later. That, you know, it's, so I had to wait for everything to come back. But then every muscle had to relearn its use, like being a newborn baby. So I was in PT and OT like three times a week for over a year. And we did that with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And you are a miracle because a lot of people didn't get out of their walkers or braces and here you are I worked totally so healed. hard 
yeah. at it, though. I mean, I, uh, the doctor would come in, and I'd say, what do I have to do to discontinue? I had had 78 heparin shots in my belly because I was getting yes. two a day. And so my belly was, like, just huge and per- black and blue, and it hurt. And she said, you have to walk 100 yards twice a day to get off the blood thinners. And I... I go to physical therapy that day. They wheel me down, and I'm like, this is what we're doing today. And we did it. And you did the other work. Can you tell us a little bit about the decisions you made that helped clear your body so you could move forward? Like you said, things have to change. You were in your head, and things had to change. What other kind of changes Well, I came out of this experience... Um, my number one goal was to provide memories for my kids because suddenly you realize like it's true today could be your last day any day you know it's we don't think about it until we're in that position so I came out of it saying if I am not going to like live till I'm 90 I want my kids to be left with lots of great memories so I started as soon as I was physically able to I started really working on that, you know. Yes. And um, we sold the restaurant. You know, we that wasn't the life I wanted, so we started our plan for a different life. But I've had many plans in the last 20-something years. Lots, you know, my book is called Resilience Road, and there's a curvy road on the f- cover because – it is not a straight path. And Mm-mm. even once you like think you know who you are and what you want, mm-hmm. there are a lot of dead ends and left turns. And I did. I had a lot of dead ends and with a lot more physical challenges after that, too. So, yeah. How long had you been married to this point? Um, nine years. Nine years. Was this your first husband? Mm-hmm. So it was nine years with your husband before this, this disease shut in yeah eight eight ish eight because katie was seven so it was a little over eight years and you had the restaurant the whole time um no we'd had the restaurant for about five years but you said you said you knew that that wasn't your path right because what happened was you know you we all romanticize our plans right (laughs) so when we met the first night he and i met we talked about owning a restaurant and he he'd yep he'd run the back and i'd run the front and the kids could be like running around in the restaurant and you know we had this very romanticized (laughs) idea of what it was going to be like and what it was really like was him working seven days a week and it was a jewish deli so the jewish holidays he was working around the clock and he wasn't with us as a with us as a family so it didn't prioritize what i thought should be priorities as our kids were younger you know i wanted him around i wanted more family yeah when our kids were younger mm-hmm. were so. you ever able to communicate that as you went through or did it just sort of build up like your desire, like your desire, you're, you're clear on it now from this viewpoint. I was clear on it when they extubated me. Yes. That, that was very clear to me. That's what became very clear on life support. Yeah. And that, that's what I'm thinking is that you made that decision that you were going to get to where you wanted to be in life. It didn't matter that it took more years and other journeys, but you had made that decision right. when you were there. 
Right. Because you did recover fully from that. I did. And that's huge. I did. It took a long time, but I did. Yes. How long? A year and a half. A year and a half Mm -hmm. of -hmm. recovering from this thing that only happens to 4,000 people in the United States a year. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 Yeah. So I was dealing with a lot of healthcare workers that had never treated somebody with this disease. So like, because I was paralyzed, I tell this story in my book where one nurse tech, I don't know the proper title, came in to dress me in the morning and she just was flopping my body around and treating me like a piece of meat, meat. Mm-hmm. because I think they figure if you're paralyzed, you can't feel, but I could feel everything. I just couldn't use my muscles, but I could feel everything. So because it's so rare, there are so few nurses that have dealt with it. They, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, and here, this is a good story. So when, (laughs) when when they're about to intubate me, they're showing me a letter chart. And they say, you know, since you can't talk, if you have something to say, like, we'll move our finger along the letter chart. And when you blink, we'll know that letter and you can spell out your words. Okay, so now I'm intubated and I want to say something and I realize they never gave me a cue to tell them I want the letter chart. (laughs) So there were times that I would be like with this two down my throat, but they didn't know to pick up the letter chart so I could spell something. So I have since told ICU nurses like you can't leave that part out. That's an important instruction. Wow. Yeah. That that makes me feel <laughs> really restricted. When I think about how that had to feel, you totally felt trapped in your body. Mm-hmm. In, and no way to communicate. No way to say anything at all. Mm-hmm. Well, you changed that. You've been communicating great again. ever since. Say that again. Say that again. Say that again. She felt trapped and not able to move, communicate, move forward, do anything. Well, were you going to say something? Well, just energetically, I kind of feel like that's how you, the inside of your body felt. Yeah. Yeah. Before that thing happened. <laughs> maybe because it wasn't my first serious disease. So maybe. But the interesting thing to like bring it all back around is what I do in my practice. Yes. And the main message in my book when it comes to being authentic Most people, when I say I'm going to help you become your best authentic self, they will say, I don't even know who that is. So Mm -hmm. that, I mean, we're really starting with people who don't know who their authentic self is. So you have to really, again, you have to kind of start from scratch with what are your passions? What is your personality? What are your qualities? But what is your inner voice saying also? Do you ever hear your inner voice? So much of the work I do with people is getting them to feel feel empowered to use their inner voice. voice. Because how many people do you meet a day that do that? Right. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, we do. But outside of this room, how many people a day, right? That's right. They don't even know what that means. They don't right. know what that means. Right. Yeah. And there's like when you say inner voice, you know, there is that, but there's also, you know, the, the little negative talker in the head. Yeah. I think people know that they have that. The chatter. But they don't know that there's distinctions of communications from energy outside of the physical realm. I'll just say that. That happened that mm-hmm would be 
they have no clue or be able to even um, process if it, if it did happen to them. Yeah. Like what you said when you came out of the intubation, you were so clear you knew life had to change. Right. Well, so think of how scary it is for some people. They can't allow themselves to hear their inner voice because mm-hmm. if they do, it could turn their whole life upside down. Yay. Yes. And that's right. scary. But yay. Yeah, of course, but yay. But that's a big fear that people have to mm-hmm. be able to live with. Right. You know? How do you help people through that? Slowly. You do yeah. it slowly? Yeah. Not it, Everything doesn't have to happen at once. You exactly. Know? If, if you are suddenly like, I'm unhappy in my marriage, I don't like my job, nothing I'm doing is authentic, we don't have to like throw everything away on day one and start from scratch. Yeah. You know, it's a process. I mean, I know there's a million ways to mecca, but like the... I like that phrase. <laughs> well, there is, that's that's a whole point of what we do here is yeah. all about just living life consciously, whatever umbrella or whatever that's inside of that is inside of that. So it just creates a platform so that we can talk about things that people don't normally talk about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I'm at a point in my life where I don't coach people that much anymore if they are their friends of mine they know my personality and I'm just like get over it you know it's not real but like where you're coming you're coming from a place people coming to you that have the courage to come and talk to somebody about something that for them at that point there's no way that you could do that right. <laughs> get over yourself like right. it's no, just an illusion no. but like so that's my I think that's a powerful gift yes to the world to take somebody at the darkest point of their life, potentially, or, you know, when you're in fear, you're just paralyzed anyway, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, in a way, I'm lucky that I've had, I mean, lucky, that I've had all of these diseases, tragedies, experiences, <laughs> experiences, because I, I use them. I use that's them. The truth. And I use, you know, my education. And counseling and all the other, you know, post-grad certs I've gotten so that I am not just coming from, you know, learn from me and my experiences, but I'm coming from a a educated mental health background also. And I think that that's I think that's important. That's hugely important that you weave it all All together. together. That's the beauty of it, because you know how they feel. They feel as paralyzed and stuck and frozen inside as you felt physically in the hospital that day. Right. So you know that it's not going to be overnight. And you... Right. Well, yes. And yesterday I did an interview for the book. And one of the questions was like, what is your favorite self-care? What do you think the most important self-care thing is? And I think they expected me to say, like, take a bath, light some candles, journal, (laughs) you know, Um, like some magic little trick. And my answer was um, slow down. Yes. That that is really the most important self-care. Slow everything down. Everything. Because, A, you enjoy life more and you're more present. Yes. But that's where you have the space for your inner voice to be heard also. Yeah. We cover that inner voice up by busyness. 
Right. That's what I was going to say. Some people keep going and stay busy and they... On purpose. Right. To avoid being with themselves. Right. To avoid their feelings. Right. Yeah. 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 And so you open up that door to give them the opportunity to hear that inner voice. And honor it. Because hearing it doesn't make any difference (laughs) if you don't honor it. Right. And take some action. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you help Mm -hmm. people distinguish between their true inner voice and the mind chatter? One of the things I ask all my clients to do is to write a list of their qualities. And I love it. A lot of them will say like the bad ones, too. I'm like, sure. If you have things like that, write them down, too. But inside my head, I'm thinking, aren't qualities just good? Like the very definition of quality Mm -hmm. is that it's something good, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But clearly they've got some things that they don't like about themselves that they want to get out. So I I want to know what they are, you know. So then they'll come back in and this is about helping them define who they are as a human being. So that they can say, if you say, who are you? My answer is not, well, I'm a mom, I'm a therapist, I'm a, it's, I'm, I'm a kind, loving, loyal, funny compassionate, hardworking person, and the list can keep going, right? I want them to define who they are as a human. Not their role. Not their role in life. So finding your authentic self is figuring out who you are as a human and Mm -hmm. how many of those negative words that you thought to write down really belong on the positive side, especially for women, because women have been told you're bossy, not you're a strong leader. You know, so a lot of them we redefine. So it's about them figuring out who they are as a human being and what their passions are as a human, not as a wife and a mom or a dad and an employee, right? Mm -hmm. And then what do they want to do with their life that will bring them joy? Did you ask yourself those questions? Throughout the process, not not right then, but yeah, I think I did throughout all the left turns and dead ends. I actually went to a great seminar um, that helped me out, like was a, a epiphany type of thing for me. What was it? It was, um, her name was Marsha. I can't remember her last name. I know I was a guest of um, somebody from our mastermind group, one of those if you sign up, you can take a guest for yes. free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't even know what I was going to. I truly didn't. She said it was a dream seminar, and I didn't know if it was the dreams we have when we sleep, our dreams for our life. I walked in like I was at a point in my life where I was open to everything and saying yes to everything. But I literally walked in the room not knowing what it was about. And um, out of 200 people, I saw about 10 people that I knew from like the – energy mastermind type world. I'm like, okay, I've landed mm-hmm. with my people. And um, this woman runs Dream University is what, do you know what oh. I'm talking about? She'd been on Oprah. And so anyway, yeah. she I, would pair us with strangers, yeah. which was brilliant. Yeah. Because when she would ask a hard question, you could go anywhere because you were with a stranger. So you really didn't care like what they thought of you, you know, and your answer. So you could be so honest. And I had like the, the epiphany with the tears streaming down my cheeks 
type thing there and went home and applied for grad school within the next 24 hours. So that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Was that after that was after we met? Yes. After we went through this other program. Yeah, because it was somebody from the program that took me. Okay. Yes. Perfect. But I had I had a list of all my fears there. I mean, I really did. You know, you're too old. What will people think? What if you're not good at it? You can't afford it. You know, what if you don't like it? And I was 48. So to make a big change at that age. So I had to really list my fears and have an answer for every single one of them to and to conquer it and go back to school and do it. And you did it. And I did it. It's amazing. And now you're helping other people do the same thing. Right. Right. Because it took me 48 years to get on my real path, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm on it and yes. I know it's my right path and that I will be on it for the rest of my life now. But it took yeah. me a long time. The years were not finite like you thought they were when you started that journey. Right. Like, well, and the other thought, lesson oh, I... to teach people is that elimination is a big part of the the journey. Right. So if you do something and you don't like it, it's not for you. You're not good at it. It's not fun. There's no money. And you mark it off your list. It's not a failure. No, it's it's okay. We've marked one thing off the list. There's an infinite amount of things we can do. So elimination is part of the process. People see it as failure and they don't see it as a good part of the process. That is one less thing for me to consider now. I am like honing in on the right answer. That's a fabulous approach. I love it. Yeah. So like now where you're at finding your passion, and it was all stemmed from the illness, right? Or series of it? The authenticity part. There was a lot more. Yeah. (laughs) It was lupus, right? I've had a different form of that. I've had sarcoidosis that had me on mega steroids for 18 months. I've had breast cancer. I broke my back. I've gone through bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. I have one thing now that is questionable that I'm dealing with. So um, it's a never-ending hit parade of challenges. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, they're all defining. Diamond polishers. Yeah, exactly. They're all defining. Exactly. All defining. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why the book is called Resilience Road because, you know, you have to be resilient to make it through life in a positive, happy way. Look, I could have over 25 years ago with what I'd gone through even back then become bitter and angry and a victim. Mm-hmm. And some people do. It's easier to do right. those, to go that direction. Um, but the, you're miserable, you know. So it's harder to always try and be positive or find the lesson in it or say, you know, I'm ready. I'm in fight mode. I've tackled everything else. I'll tackle this one, too. It's harder, but I get to enjoy life while I'm doing it. You know, yeah. life's grand, even though this, can I say shit? Even though this shit is, you know, put in your path. Yeah, shit happens all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are happy. You are happy in life. Oh, yeah. So happy. And because you are authentic. And you just take one step at a time. Because and... I'm living the, my life the way I want it. If, yes. I, if I don't want to do something, I say no. And I say it in a nice way 
so that I tell my clients at the end of every day, you just want to look in the mirror and say, I was my best self today. If you had to say something that was painful, Mm -hmm. that hurt somebody's feelings, did you say it the most compassionately, most compassionate way you could? Okay, then you were your best person that day. Mm -hmm. You and know? you can't. That's yes. you can do that. Right. You can. You can say mm-hmm. truthful things in a compassionate way. Right. If you're conscious. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you if it we if we don't want to look at that in our own life, it'll come out sideways and and not be effective. Exactly. But I, right. I believe I'm with you 100 percent on that. That you can say whatever it is that you need to say to whoever you need to say it to. Yeah. Yes. In a compassionate way and not skirt the truth of it. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's a big principle in all the work <coughs> we all do. Right. Shamanism, Reiki, all of that is is speaking ruthless compassion. Yeah, speaking the truth with beauty. And then what that receiver of the truth does with that, that's a hundred percent on them. Their choice. Right. But they have a choice, right? Of how they handle it, right? Yeah. I preach that we're 100% responsible for everything we think, we say, and we do. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts, our actions, and our emotions. Which means there's no room left to be responsible for anybody else's. That's true, too. Yes. Right. Not putting our stuff on anyone or letting them put their stuff on us. Right. So yeah. if somebody's facing an illness or a this or a that or something that they perceive... You know, that from where we sit, we can see that that's the thing that's going to evolve them into whatever their life's passion is, right? Do you follow? Like, life goes along, but they haven't had that aha, or they haven't had that trip to the ER yet. Mm -hmm. But they maybe sense something's coming. Mm -hmm. Because I I was diagnosed with lupus several years ago, so it was a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. Like, I believe all illnesses are Mm -hmm. wake-up calls. Um, spiritual wake-up calls to like fully integrate into our bodies and be who we were supposed to be, not just the shell of it walking around trying to survive the life, Mm -hmm. you know, and shift us into the thriving of life. So for people that may be out there listening that this is where they're at or they sense, because you didn't you sense before that that happened to you that something was awry or something was amiss? I knew that I was working, I was trying hard to fit in to situations in an inauthentic way. But yet you couldn't do anything to stop it, right? But I, I did it anyway. Yeah. I mean, I could have done something to stop it, but I did it so anyway. somebody listening that's in that, that can hear themselves in your story and in all of our stories, what is the thing, because I also believe that it's possible that we don't have to have the illnesses to have the breakthrough. Right. I believe that we live in a world now that the energy of the planet and the frequency of the planet, we don't need to suffer anymore to get our ahas. Like, mm-hmm. Does that resonate with you? It does. Like, I mean, I say to... every time I've gotten knocked down, it's been because my life needed a course correction. Every time. Mm-hmm. It's because I needed a course correction. So, and I agree with you, it would be nice if I could have had the aha without getting actually knocked down. Um, for me, what, it didn't work that way. Well, you but, had the key. That's, but, that, that's right. my question. What would you tell yourself before, after that happened, before that happened, to not do or do? To, to be more in touch with your inner voice and what you know that you're pushing down. And that you're afraid to hear, and, and you're afraid to say. And what could they literally do? 
Because that's one thing to say that, but what's the thing that they can like literally do to bring that out? It, for me, it's about getting very quiet. It's just, you know, when people say, how did you finally figure out to go back to school and, and change from applying for jobs because I had to feed my kids to going back to school? And I got really quiet for, a, I want to say a few weeks, a month, mm-hmm. where I wasn't going all the time. And I was, it was also around the time of my bankruptcy, so I couldn't really afford to do anything. And I was in me, in myself. You know, I'm not a big meditator, but I'd walk, which is a meditation, you know, a form of meditation. And I get clarity. I just got quiet so I could get clarity, you know. So now as a professional, I say, go talk to a professional. Also, they will help you get clarity. I could have done this maybe a little easier if I had been talking to somebody professionally that got me, but I wasn't at the time. So... For me, it's just all about clarity mm-hmm. of what's going on in your own heart and head and soul at the time. Yeah. And if somebody is going through that, more than likely there's financial stuff that goes right along with it, too, because they're kind of connected energetically inside. So if you're in that turmoil, it's going to be financial turmoil, too. So like what you said about the nature is free. And I use that, too like walking in the park or connecting with nature, even if it's a house plant in your house, like just some connection to nature provided that space mm-hmm. for me to, to sort of like the crack. It caused the crack to a little bit of light can get in and do the rest of the mm-hmm. work. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. What were you going to say, Marilyn? Well, I think I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> Except that now you can help people get inside and hear their inner voice, so they might not have to crash and go through what you did For to sure. get to that space. And that's why I wrote so, the book. Really, yes, that's why. Exactly. You know, people had been telling me for a lot of years, oh my gosh, Beth, all your stories, you should write a book, you should write a book. <laughs> and I was like, why is anybody going to want to read my book? I'm not famous. I, you know, I didn't climb Kilimanjaro. Why my book? But then once I became a therapist and I had years of therapy, therapeutic experience under me, and I had developed these philosophies like the 100% and these different skill sets, and I thought, now if I take what I use with my clients and I combine it with my stories, now this book can actually help people and not just be somebody else's memoir. And I hear... I'm sorry. And they feel inspired. In yes. S- when they're down and they're reading this, they feel hope. They feel inspired to move forward and to get out of the space that they're feeling. So I'm just going to encourage everyone to find your book. Can I'm you tell us how they? to connect to that? Well, first, we've never said the name. It's Resilience Road, mm-hmm. <laughs> Exploring Your Authentic Life Path. And it's on Amazon. Um, I just finished recording the Audible, which hopefully will be live around Thanksgiving. Hopefully. That's when this podcast will be. Yeah, so hopefully it'll be available, (laughs) available right around the same time. But what I hear the most from people who read my book and reviewers is that even though their stories are different, they see themselves Mm -hmm. in my book. Exactly. I hear it all the time. They see themselves in my stories. Yes. So they can take away something concrete mm-hmm. from the book to help them. 
And the next is a coaching program based on the book. I love it. Yay. That's fabulous. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This that was went really a... fast. Yes, I told did. you, right? We just sit here and talk. And... Yeah. Yeah. This was awesome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Yes, thank, thank you for I, being here. I just here. want to say, too, that we will, I'll put this, uh, I'll put the link in the uh, description below Wonderful. the this podcast so it goes out on all the platforms. Thank you. And just really acknowledge you for sharing this with us today. I, I I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. And I know it is going to help a lot of people. I hope so. I mean, all my secrets are in that book. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm so, so excited. I hope they help so I hope they help a lot yeah. of people. I'm excited to listen to your voice tell your stories. Yeah. So. Thank you. Awesome. Yay. I'm excited we'll to get We'll put there. it all together and put it out. It'll be at the this will come out on the Friday after Thanksgiving. Okay. Great. Okay. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank well, you. Uh, everybody have a great day. Thank you for listening. Hope you got something wonderful out of today. I know that I did. Thank you guys for being here. I look forward to listening to your yes. audio book. Have Thank a great day. Thank you. Bye.